Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast that attempts to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. First of all, I want to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast and thank you if you are listening right now. I love receiving all of your amazing feedback via social media messages. And I would want to offer you a 20-minute pranayama video. It's my favorite pranayama sequence ever. It helps me calm down and also find a little bit more emotional balance. And this pranayama sequence is really great for this time of year, whenever life seems to speed up a little bit. Winter is upon us in many places in the Northern Hemisphere. And this breath sequence will really help you find that sense of inner peace and well-being. To receive the sequence, my request is that you rate the podcast on any of the major podcast outlets that you are listening from, five stars, of course, and leave a review. And if you do that, please email me or send me via social media your email address, and I will send you the pranayama sequence. Anyway, today's episode is called, You Deserve to Take Up Space. And I don't know about you, but this is a really big thing for me. I've been working on this my entire life, especially Lately, I've noticed this feeling come back. I thought I had worked through it, but it's this feeling of not feeling fully confident. And whenever I'm stepping into a situation that maybe sometimes I feel a little bit like, ooh, I'm the new person, or I need to really do well, I start to doubt myself. And I feel like many of us have this experience quite often. And there's a saying that many creative people do things before they feel fully ready. But doing things before we feel fully ready doesn't necessarily have to mean that we're also feeling really nervous, self-conscious, and not sure if we are as good as our peers or as good as our teachers. And the first thing I want to say is we've got to drop this idea that we've got to be as good as someone else. Because the truth is we are all equally good in our own ways. And it's just about finding what you are amazing at. It's about finding where do you really shine through? Where does your spirit feel lit up? Because if you work with that energy, whatever you do is going to be amazing even if it has flaws, even if it has faults or shortcomings, if you do it with your heart, with total conviction that you are on the right path, you are doing what you are meant to be doing, then no matter what, it will touch people's hearts as well. People will feel your love. They will feel your energy. So for example, here's a really small example of this. Last night I was subbing for my teacher and it's a strong group. So I was offering to do a couple of handstands before vinyasa from standing split. And there was a woman in class and she was going up. And so I decided to give her an assist. So I pulled her up into the handstand and I was holding her and she said something and I didn't hear her. So she came down and she said, you weren't holding my hips over my shoulders. And you know, life is all about perception. I thought I was. I felt like I was holding her, but very lightly because she was strong. And I could have done one or two things with that. I could have gotten really bummed and shut down and just gotten through the rest of the class. Or I could have just allowed her to express and continue to teach class and continue to offer what I felt in my heart and what I knew to be true. And I did that. I took the second option. And the class was amazing. So even though I didn't do every single thing perfectly in my teaching, you know, according to the feedback I received, in my own perception, I thought everything was just cherry, like moving along, picking everyone up to, so they have their hang time. But in someone else's perception, she thought, oh, you need to pull my hips back one inch. It wasn't quite spot on. And that's okay, because when we are walking our path, when we're walking our dharma, our spiritual path, and remember, dharma translates as that which holds together. 
So whenever we are engaging in the material world, in that which holds us together, like for me, for example, it's one of many things is teaching yoga. Whenever we are engaging in that, we don't want to stop doing it just because the external world gives us a little bit of pushback. You know, like pushback is when the lady said, well, I didn't feel my hips were over my shoulders. And for me, what that means is, oh, okay, maybe some people need to feel like their hips are further back. So I can take that feedback and receive it and then work towards doing things a little bit more seamlessly than the time before because I'm willing to accept that feedback. But at the same time, also know that in that moment, I was at the absolute most present state I could be offering what I could from my heart in a way that was focused and clear. And of course, with love. And I think that's the main thing when it comes for us, you know, feeling like we're, we deserve to take up space. Like we deserve to be successful in this world. We deserve to be seen in this world. And perhaps we deserve to be acknowledged as well on some level, right? And the more we understand that if we just approach what we want to do with clarity, dedication, and love, then naturally those who are meant to receive those gifts will gravitate towards you. Whatever it might be, maybe you're a musician and you've got mixed feedback on your music. The truth is, as long as you are putting your heart into it and it's what you're meant to be doing, like of course, to be a musician, we would hope you'd be a good singer or a good instrumentalist, right? You can't just go up there and pound on the keyboard and sing off key. That That's not quite going to work. It's like when you are walking towards your dharma or stepping into it fully, it takes work. So I'm not saying like, oh, just do what you're meant to be doing. It'll be easy. Because if I just always did what I was meant to be doing and it would be easy, I'd be on the side of a mountain right now eating cranberries, looking at the open sky, you know, because that's my natural inclination is to, is to do less, is to drop into this very relaxed present state and observe. But, you know, that doesn't get me very far. So although that's my natural predisposition, I know that my dharmic path, my spiritual path, my material and spiritual path combined, which equates to my dharma, basically, I know that that is to be out into the world and to work with other people in a variety of ways. And I think that this is a lot of, this is the case for a lot of us, you know, especially those listening to this podcast in particular, you know, it's like, how do we walk our path and do what needs to be done, but not get caught up in overly being attached to the outcome, right? Because if we walk our path and do what needs to be done, but we carry a lot of heavy attachment to the outcome, then we receive a lot of disappointment. And then all of a sudden, the person commenting on how the adjustment didn't feel quite spot on, suddenly they become the deal breaker for you. Suddenly they're the ones that stop you in your path and and make you start to question everything you're doing. And and there's a point where we've just got to be stronger than that. We've just got to see beyond those tiny external uh, pinpricks, if you will, and look deeper into what is really piercing through to the deepest level of you. What motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? Because that's your dharma on some level or another. Unless you're like, well, what motivates me to get out of bed is I'm going to drink this cup of coffee. Okay, yes. But what is beyond that? You know, what is the deeper underlying factor in your life? And this is actually something really good to journal about is just asking yourself that. What is the underlying drive on the deepest level within me? What is the underlying drive within me on the deepest level? Because if you start to contemplate that, it goes even deeper than any one label or any one identification. There's an overwhelming sense of something that binds it all together. And that's the Dharma. Literally, again, Dharma means that which holds together. And so for me, for example, and I like to use my own examples because I feel like they are the most real from what I can speak on and connect these philosophies. But, you know, put yourself in my shoes when I share this story. For me, I work with people. I do body work. I teach yoga. I do some coaching calls. 
I am friendly naturally, even though I'm more introverted. And I have a lot of compassion. I have been that way since I was a child, my mom said, as I always wanted to include everyone and I always wanted everyone to feel loved. And so my life path is a mirror of that. So deeper than saying, well, I am, you know, quote, a healer or I am a yogi, both labels I don't like to have on me, right? Even though some might classify me under that category. Um, You know, what's deeper than that? Why are you those things? Why are you a healer? Why are you a yogi? Or why are you a doctor? Why are you a lawyer? Why are you a school teacher? Anything that you could possibly do. It's like we're not just one thing. Like when you're done teaching school, what do you go and do? Is it yoga? Is it painting or photography? Is it volunteering at the homeless shelter? Like take a good look at all these things you feel compelled to do, like from your heart and see what they have in common. What is the underlying force behind all of those things? Because to stay on the surface level is to be like, I want to be the best yoga teacher in San Francisco. And think about that. Even hearing that sounds absurd. It's like that is always going to be a matter of opinion. And so we cannot live our life trying to mold ourselves around fitting other people's model of the world. Right? Like I found this coming up a lot lately because I've been doing a lot of substitute yoga teaching. And the truth is that no matter how great of a teacher you are, as the sub, people don't take you seriously a lot of the times. Now, that's not all the time, but it can exist, right? Like people want to say, well, who is this person? Because they're not my teacher. And so I've noticed my approach has been to go in there with a really open heart and to talk to each person and just say like, I'm so happy to be here with you, to be present. And then if I try to teach in the way I think that their teacher teaches the class, it's not going to come off authentically. And then it's watered down. It's not, it's not the truth I feel shining through in how I share the practice. So even though it might be easy to succumb to that energy of wanting to fit the mold, just to, uh, move up in the ranks, so to speak. (laughs) It's better to fill your own space with your own offerings. You know what I mean? Like, become clear on what you have to offer. That's a much more simple way of saying that. Get clear on what you have to offer, especially if you're working with other people. Get clear on what that is. And then, what is behind what you have to offer? So for me, for example, I teach yoga in a way that People will make breakthroughs, but at the same time, they don't get injured most of the time. We have very methodical approach and it's breath-based, which means we stay sensitive. We stay tuned in. And I like to share the philosophy, obviously, um, because I feel like the philosophy is the life raft because once we get clear from all the practice, what do we have beyond that? What, what is the binding thread? It's the teachings because the teachings speak to our heart. The asanas might on some level, but the postures, the techniques of yoga, they more speak to other aspects. The philosophy is the heart. It's the head too, but ideally the head and heart are connected. At least that's what we are attempting. (laughs) So the more we root in philosophy, the more we feel connected to what is beyond the physical act of getting on the yoga mat and doing sun salutations right? It's like, what's the driving force for you to even get on your yoga mat? All of these things hint at what our dharma is. So getting a little sidetracked, but I'm getting back on track now. All of the ways I teach yoga are because I am concerned with people's well-being. I actually changed the way I was teaching a few years ago Because I thought, you know, I'm not sure if that actually works for the human anatomy. I'm not sure if that's going to provide longevity. And sure enough, a couple of students I had been working with around that time ended up telling me that they were having like some shoulder injuries. And you know, talking about what our dharma is and and what holds us together, it ties back into deserving to take up space. Because 
I, in my experience and what I've observed in people close to me, unless we get ourselves right with that, that we deserve to take up space, we are allowed to be successful, we are allowed to be seen in this world, then we begin to embody the truth of that. Because even if you know what your dharma is, because let's face it, knowing what your dharma is in the first place is key to feeling like you deserve to take up space. Because if you have a clear vision of where your heart lights up in this life and where you are being guided, then you will naturally gravitate in that direction. And however you gravitate in that direction, what that basically is like a metaphor for is like that's how you show up in the world. Whatever your dharma is, is going to determine how you show up in the world. But the thing is, if you don't take the time, if I don't take the time to tune in and see, well, what is that which lights up my heart? Then we walk around this world aimlessly. And in that aimlessness, there's almost this subtle guilt of saying, well, I don't know my purpose. And it's, it's heart-wrenching whenever someone especially near the end of their life, says, I never found my purpose, you know, and, and that never, I never felt fully justified here. And although this might be a long shot for some of us, um, I think for myself and a lot of us, this is spot on. It's like, if we don't know our purpose, it doesn't feel like we lived life fully. And part of living life fully is, you guessed it, taking up space. And Again, you know, like not feeling deserving to take up space comes from a few factors. And one is guilt. And a lot of us have had guilt kind of imprinted into our consciousness from a very young age. And this comes in many forms. It can come through religious beliefs. Like I know in the Catholic belief system, literally, the prayers say, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I am not worthy. And, and people put that on repeat. That's a mantra. And they have that mantra on repeat. And even if they're not consciously saying it, it's been imprinted there. And Catholic guilt is a real thing. But guilt from other religions too, right? It's like anytime heavy belief systems get pushed upon us without us being able to investigate how valid they are for ourselves then suddenly a guilt will come through whenever we don't live up to those belief systems. So the work is to understand what are the underlying belief systems in my subconscious or conscious mind that stop me from living fully, that stop me from feeling deserving to take up space, right? And I know for me the biggest one is guilt. That's actually you know, something that will come up quite consistently for me is like, I'll start to feel shy. And I, I really believe that feeling shy is actually a subtle form of guilt. It's saying, well, I don't want to, I don't really want you to see me. I'll act meek and just say hello quickly and slip away. And more and more lately, because I'm in a new place, I feel like it's kind of come out again. Um, but I've been meeting other people who are drawing me out of it. And so it's really brought this all to light. Um, because it's so interesting how we can work through our old patterns, but suddenly slip back into them whenever our external environment changes. Because our external environment definitely affects how we relate with the world. It's just cause and effect. If you change locations in the world, for example, your consciousness will line up in a different way. I have a good example of this actually. I was living in Hawaii um, in 2017 and I was having some health issues and I was really uncomfortable and really miserable and I had a trip scheduled to go teach in an outer island in Indonesia for a month and it was quickly approaching and I was feeling a lot of pressure in my surroundings and also a lot of pressure about whether I was going to take this trip or not. And suddenly I just surrendered that no matter what my health was doing, I was going to at least make the attempt. I was at least going to get on the first plane to Taiwan. And as soon as I did that, I felt a sense of kind of mental relaxation, like everything's going to be okay. And as I, I was starting to feel a little better, I was still not better though. 
my friend and I flew 10 hours across the ocean to Taiwan and literally in Taiwan, I felt completely better. By the time we got to Bali, I was having so much fun. And then by the time I got to the outer island, I felt very much like introspective and I was able to look at everything that had created that experience for me. And the change in environment was everything. I shifted the environment. The feeling of pressure dropped because I got away from my regular careers. And all of a sudden I was in a peaceful place and that peaceful energy permeated my being. Right. And so, you know, never underestimate how intense it is to shift your environment. Even on a day to day, we go from being in the loving embrace of our own home, our own space. At least that's my prayer for all of us that we all have that. Um, But we go from that safety cocoon out into the world. And there are no guarantees what's going to happen out into the world. Shoots, there's no guarantees what's going to happen right around your house. So it's just about becoming comfortable with the fact that we exist. And as that might not sound like it makes sense if you don't have a heavy guilt pattern, but as long as you are carrying a heavy guilt pattern around, then this is like, yep, I know. That's the thing I'm working on. Because as soon as we are willing to say, I exist and I am going to take up space, it's like, well, now, how do you want to take up space? And that's where it's so important to do daily check-ins with yourself. This can come in the form of just laying in bed a couple minutes after you wake up and feeling the sensations and the emotions that are right on the surface of your mind right as you wake up from sleep, because that can inform a lot. This can come in the form of journaling for a few minutes every day until the mind feels empty or clear, clearer, This can come in the form of getting on your yoga mat or sitting on the meditation cushion and tuning in and chanting mantra or sitting in stillness. You know, the overriding theme is to check in with oneself. We have to get rid of the external distractions for a moment or move deeper than them. So, for example, playing or doing yoga and playing a lot of really poppy, lyrical music, that might not do the trick because you're still filling your container with chatter, external dialogue. And for me, at least, it's been quintessential to always take these few moments of stillness intermittently throughout the day. I like to lay in Shavasana, actually, when my workday is halfway through and I go on some kind of break, whether I get back home or even if I'm out somewhere, I might even go sit in my car and recline the seat and lay for five minutes and just drop my body weight into gravity and that can do it right any way that you check in it's going to help you take the temperature of what you need to be doing not only on that day but within the span of your lifetime right so being sensitive is a huge thing the more sensitive you are to yourself the more you will tune into what your heart path or your dharma is prompting you to do you follow those prompts right Don't expect the path to be totally smooth. In fact, it might be super bumpy. And this is where that idea of shraddha or unshakable faith comes in. It's like the more faith you have, the more you are willing to commit to what you are doing because you feel compelled beyond any reasonable doubt, beyond any logical doubt, you are compelled to do it. Then you keep doing it. You keep sending it over and over and over until you reach and i'm i don't know what we will reach sometimes i think that illusion of reaching is exactly that it's an illusion it's like this as long as you have a body you have energy that is a fact right i mean oh okay i'm tired all the time sure i get that excuse but there's energy there still there is still a mental energy moving So what do you want to do with it? You don't want to just dump it all out on the ground and let it fly away in the breeze. You don't want to disperse yourself. I don't want to disperse myself either. We want to concentrate it. Because the more you concentrate your energy and devote yourself to learning a particular craft or 
becoming really good at some kind of like human virtue. Like, oh, I'm going to be a really good listener. And then all of a sudden you've got people coming to you and to ask for advice. And then all of a sudden you end up being, you know, a counselor or a life coach. See, all these things lead to something. And the idea is not to force them to go somewhere, but rather to keep doing what you feel compelled to do, stay focused on what that is, and it will eventually culminate. And culmination point um, has a Sanskrit uh, word, which I really like, and it's called sandhya. And sandhya on some translation means sunrise or sunset, but it also is a pinnacle. It's a culmination moment where all of a sudden everything you've been working towards comes to a fruition point. I remember having this feeling at the last day of my first 200 hour that I co-led in Waipio Valley, Hawaii. It was our last day and we were all together and everyone was going to graduate and it was a sandia moment. We were in the last practice and suddenly I was teaching Half Moon, I think, and I cracked a joke and the whole room just melted down laughing so hard. And it was that moment for me where all of those years of dedication, all of those years of not receiving recognition, suddenly the recognition was there. Suddenly I saw from almost this witnessing standpoint what I had been working towards. It suddenly made sense. And so have faith, friends, that whatever you're doing, even if it doesn't seem like anything is happening, even if it doesn't seem like you're getting any acknowledgement or any love from anyone else about what you're doing, just trust yourself. Trust what you know to be true. Because if you can do that, then eventually, as long as you stay dedicated and do the work, you approach it. Maybe you can approach it from a playful standpoint. Maybe you're more like me and you're like, no, it's still work. <laughs> we, can, we can go either way with that. It's all about what kind of temperament you have. Because if I hear play, I think, yay, hot springs. <laughs> yay, I'm going to go to the Caribbean. I'm going to go to a beautiful ocean, you know, For me, I have to think it's work. It's chopping wood and hauling water. I've got to study. I have to become more aware of how I communicate. Whatever it is for you, you know, however you want to look at it, do your work (laughs) and it will culminate. And why, again, drawing this back into our theme today, you deserve to take up space. It's all about literally giving no fucks. And that doesn't mean you don't care about others. You do. But when it comes to others' opinions about you, be very discerning what opinions you take at face value. Because human nature is insatiable. You know, we always want to have everyone approving us, everyone nodding at us. We always think, oh, how can it get better? That actually drives me nuts when I see people post that. They have something good happen in their life and they put it on social media. But instead of saying, I'm so grateful, they say, how can it get any better? It's like, where is the presence with gratitude of you had a peak moment and you've reached? So sit in that. Stop chasing What's better than this? Because that's like running up a damn staircase into the sky that never, ever ends. Instead say, this is the moment. This is it for me. For a moment, this is like everything changes. All of a sudden, these chains of chasing, what's better? What's better? That's like the rat coming into the house every night. Oh, where can I get more food? Oh, more food, more food, more food until they've eaten you out of house and home. And what do you got left is a bunch of shit. Right? So instead, sit in gratitude when you have these peak moments. And be willing to acknowledge yourself, even if no one else acknowledges you. I want to read an entry from the Gita about this. <clears throat> When your mind has crossed the slough of delusion, you will achieve indifference regarding things already heard and things yet to be heard. Read it again. 
When your mind has crossed the slough of delusion, you will achieve indifference regarding things already heard and things yet to be heard. And this can be translated a lot of ways, but in relation to our topic today, it's saying when you get clear, when you start to root in what is beyond all the external chatter, all the shoulds of how you need to live your life, or maybe even, oh, you need to be more ambitious. If you're not ambitious by nature, don't force yourself. Rather say, well, how can I flow with the stream and create? If you're ambitious by nature, say, how can I work? How can I get it today? And either way, it's kind of the same thing. It's just a matter of temperament for what you'll tell yourself, right? But be satisfied whenever amazing things happen for you. And at the same time, be humble whenever someone says something to you that doesn't feel good. Just allow it to pass over you. It doesn't have to pierce your heart and and metaphorically bleed you dry of all of your confidence and inspiration. Rather, you just say, okay, well, that's one perspective. Because if you cross the slough of delusion, if you get over the idea of duality, if you realize that actually we all just have our own viewfinders on and that's how we see the world, then you begin to understand that we can all interpret the color purple a different way. Meaning we all interpret the exact same thing differently based on our perspective. And our perspective is based on our life experiences. Our perspective is based on the belief systems we carry, the culture that we've been brought up in, and the culture we live in now, and our overall temperament, and our karma. That's a lot. So there's no way we can expect the whole world to think like us. What I perceive, you know, to be the greatest might not be what you like at all. I actually see that with eating habits with my partner and I. I like to eat quinoa and sweet potatoes and kraut and slaw for lunch every day. That's like my jam. I love that. If he ate that for lunch, he would tolerate it once and make sure that he didn't eat that for many, many days afterwards because he doesn't really like it. He'd rather eat a, you know, piece of meat and some vegetables. We're different in that way. But at the same time, that doesn't mean one is better or worse. It just means they're different. And that's the same thing with people's opinions. It's just they are what they are. It's just that's out there. If some, like if someone gives you negative feedback, that's there now. Thank you. You can either see, you can take a look at it actually and be like, is there anything that I need to absorb from this to hone in on my craft more, to, to even offer and live my dharma a little bit deeper. And if it's relevant, all right, tune in and learn from it. But then don't carry it on your shoulder like a burden. Don't inherit that story now every single time you make the approach to do your craft. Rather, know when to absorb the teachings from it and know when to drop it fully, right? And in that way, you begin to achieve indifference regarding things already heard and things yet to be heard. So this comes in with part of being willing and feeling comfortable, taking up space, being seen in the world, being acknowledged, putting yourself out there, is bringing yourself to a neutral space. So if you get met with amazing praise, you can receive it graciously and be in that moment. Or when you get met with challenging people or negativity, You can just also receive the teaching from it and then let it pass through you and leave your field. And if there's no teaching from it, if it just is something that you need to just let it pass through right away, you've been there, done that, absorbed it already many times and just going to let it go, then you do that as well. But you root yourself in something deeper than that and that's your dharma. You just know that no matter what, the one thing that will happen in your life is you will live your purpose. Because living our purpose means that we also get to make an impact in other people's lives or other beings' lives, other plants' lives, whatever your passion is. It's like if you live your purpose and you do it with an attitude of just 
letting it flow through you, just trusting, you know, this is coming through, I will allow it. Then suddenly it doesn't really matter what other people think about you. Suddenly it doesn't matter so much when you fail. You just learn to fail again and fail better next time. Do it with more grace. Because it's one thing to be in alignment with yourself when everyone is loving you, when you're always getting praise, when you're always receiving that which you dreamed of. But it is a whole next level shit when you can live your same truth, when you are not getting acknowledgement, when people have no respect for you for whatever reason, and whenever you are being hung out to dry by the universe, if you can still commit to your heart path in those times, then you know you have unshakable faith. You know shraddha or unshakable faith is the backbone to you. And as long as you have that shraddha, unshakable faith, and dharma, your spiritual heart path mixed with 3D reality action, then nothing can stop you. You're like a salmon going up, you know, going upstream if need be to get to your origin, to create. It doesn't matter what obstacles are met. That salmon finds a way to get over them. And that's us. We're all these salmon. And I think a lot of us, it feels sometimes like an uphill battle to do what we need to do. But it's worth it. Because those Sandia moments, those moments that shine through and just remind us and bring things full circle of why we do what we do, those are the moments that most of us live for. But the only way you will be able to see when that moment is arising is if you are present and rooted in gratitude enough to see it when it's happening. I was reading the introduction to my Bhagavad Gita the other day, and I came across this paragraph, and it really kind of connected to me, and it inspired this podcast, actually. It says, In order to be honest with oneself, in order to preserve one's sincerity and integrity, in order to avoid a split personality, one must allow one's dharma to mold their actions and thoughts. All foreign ideals and standards of conduct imposed from outside or imitated from others are alien to his nature and, if stubbornly followed, only create confusion. And to me, that's so deep. It's in order to avoid a split personality, one must allow their dharma to mold their actions and thoughts. That's saying if we follow what other people tell us we should be doing all the time, if we let other people's opinions of us affect what we do in this life overall, then confusion is the result naturally. Because we're not in alignment with what we feel pulled to do. We split our head and our heart into separate compartments. We compartmentalize our heart and we lock it in this mental cage of shoulds and should nots and be careful where you step and don't breathe too deep because you you don't want to you know be that big just keep it small and mediocre then all of a sudden we we near our middle age and we have a crisis because we all of a sudden have this awakening like a lightning bolt striking us we see what have i been doing and the idea is try to try to avoid that crisis. Not because we're not brave to have that experience if we need to. Sometimes we can't avoid it. But rather because we have stayed in alignment with ourselves every single day through checking in with ourselves, through doing the work we feel compelled to do, through walking our dharma, albeit imperfect. And in that way, we stay in alignment. And then the head and the heart stay connected. Because if we let logic run our life and we lock our heart desires away, 
what do we have? A bunch of money in the bank, maybe. What will you do with that? Pay for antidepressants? Seriously, think about it, people. It's a thing. And in this paragraph, it goes on. All foreign ideals and standards of conduct imposed from outside or imitated from others or imitated from others. That means don't worry about being as good as someone else. Don't try to be them. Don't try to teach like them, but rather learn what you can from others, but stay true to yourself in what you know is your truth and what you know works as well. And this is especially, you know, for like the yoga teacher friends out there is don't succumb to the pressure of modern yoga if that's not what you feel called to share. I know for me, I start every single class with pranayama. And I'll watch sometimes people who are new to my class um, processing that in different ways. But you know what? At, whether they whether it took them off guard or they just right away sat right with it, they always thank me for it in the end. But you know what? Even if they didn't, I would still do it because that is what feels true to me. And not everyone does that here. I don't know if that's necessarily very popular. Sometimes it's just take a few breaths, three ohms, boom, down dog. And that's cool too. That's beautiful too. But the thing is, If I try to be exactly like someone else, then I fall short. And, you know, the cool thing about life is we often get magnetized to people who are very similar to us. And so it's fun when we can kind of relate with each other and be like, wow, we agree on that method. And so it's not that that is so much a concern. It's it's the concern of whenever we, like, for example, my massage teacher told us this story once. He had trained a woman who became a very successful massage therapist. And then about two years into her career, she went and got a different type of massage training. And she totally stopped the kind of massage that she had been doing that made her successful and started a new style. And she immediately lost all of her clients. And and then things didn't go as well for her. It was a lot harder to get back on her feet. And that's the idea. It's like just because you receive new input, just because you learn something new, doesn't mean you abandon what you already know. It's all about integrating. How can you integrate what you already know with new things that you learn? So in that way, you don't stray from what already holds to be true from you, right? And that's the idea of all foreign ideals and standards of conduct imposed from outside or imitated from others are alien to one's own nature. And if stubbornly followed, only create confusion. So how do we avoid confusion is we keep, here it is again, checking in with ourselves, But also, keep learning from others. Holding oneself to that ideal that we need to be a certain way is very limiting. Rather, in my opinion, it's like, well, how do I let that be an inspiration instead? How do I, how do I just say, wow, that, that person ignited me to make me feel like, all right, I'm going to live my truth in this way. And it's just a different thing. And, it, you know, the same person can create those two effects. It can be like, I'll never be that. I suck. I'm just going to keep, you know, in the background. I'll keep it small. Or it can be like, wow. I've got work to do. That person just inspired me a lot. And now I'm going to work diligently on being a source of inspiration as well. That's what I feel called to do. Right? So it's the same, I mean, even the same interaction can have two different thought processes. And so there's a point where we've got to be conscious enough to decide which process, which path or neural pathway we're going to take. And reprogramming guilt, reprogramming the idea that we don't have enough confidence, which usually comes from either not being prepared, which that's on you, boo, to prepare yourself, right, everyone. But more oftentimes than not, it's the people who are beyond prepared, the people who have been waiting their whole life to do it, start to doubt themselves. And in that case, it's like, you know, you've just got to say, all right, doubt, I guess you're going to sit in the back seat with me for this ride, 
and, and I accept that you're there, but eventually you're going to have to get out of the car. And then you move forward anyway. You shine your truth and your light anyway. Because as long as it's feeling deep in your heart, like it's in alignment, someone else is also going to align with that. And you following your heart only sparks other people to follow their own. And just to repeat this very classic Gita um, excerpt, probably the most popular sloka or little chapter in the Gita. And many of you have probably already heard it. But it says, Better is one's own dharma, though imperfectly performed, than the dharma of another perfectly performed. Better is one's own dharma, though imperfectly performed, than the dharma of another perfectly performed. For the dharma of another is fraught with peril. Better is death in the doing of one's own dharma. It says, Better is one's own dharma, though imperfectly performed, than the dharma of another well performed. Better is death in the doing of one's own dharma. The dharma of another is fraught with peril. It's saying it's a slippery slope to try to fit in. It's a slippery slope to try to live up to other people's expectations all the time. Forget about climbing the slippery slope. Ground yourself on solid ground. Build your foundation from what you know to be true. Build your foundation for what you feel in your heart. And then be willing to work for it. Be willing to dig your roots deep into the earth of your own inner knowing. And eventually, the fruits will blossom. But it takes time. You don't plant a seed and have an orange tomorrow. You plant the seed, you water it, you care for it. And eventually the tree will sprout. And after a number of years or a matter of time, the orange blossoms will come. And with the ripening of time again, the fruit is there. But perhaps the deepest part about all this is eventually the fruit is gone again. And it's up to us to keep growing and to keep showing up even when we don't feel fully ready, to keep shining our light even when we feel like we don't have much light there, to trust there's something deeper animating us, there's something deeper giving us this life force and this strength to even walk this path, to even wake up in the morning. Lean into what that is that's compelling you. It will not lead you astray. Trust this truth. You deserve to take up space. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma Podcast. Namaste.
Oh,